The views and opinions of this program are those of the host, guests, and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading. Today's episode of Market Talk is brought to you by Growmark FS. Keeping up with the latest in ag is a challenge, to say the least, but there are experts nearby ready to help. You'll find them at your local FS. You can trust them to bring you customized agronomic, grain, and energy solutions, board of the latest thinking. That's because FS specialists receive continuous training that keeps them current on the latest trends, practices, and technologies. So you'll get local expertise that's both exceptional and up-to-date. Visit FSSystem.com to learn how FS is bringing you what's next. Bringing you the ag information you need, this is Market Talk. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. A fairly mixed day in grains and livestock on Valentine's Day Tuesday. Welcome to Market Talk. Thanks so much for joining us here and making us part of your day and part of your conversation. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Great to be here as we take a look at the markets and issues impacting rural America Wishing you and your sweetheart a happy Valentine's Day as well. Markets fairly quiet on the day Tuesday. Kind of mixed, choppy action. Saw a little bit of pressure creep into some of the grains and into the cattle market. Outside market pressure as well. We got the consumer price index out on Tuesday. That CPI up 0.5% month on month in January. The headline number, inflation at 6.4% year on year beating the analyst expectations of 6.2%. Now, inflation cooling a little bit, but still seeing those numbers tick up just a hair. That impacted the outside markets and impacted some of the money flow into the commodity sector. We're going to talk about that and more coming up here on the show today. We got a change to Mexico's corn decree for GMO corn ban. So some different moving parts there to take a look at. Although the corn market didn't necessarily react too much to that news from Mexico that we got late on Monday. But either way, still another news item to watch in the trade, among other issues that have been in this market trade now for a couple of weeks. We're going to talk about the trade coming up here with Jacob Burks of agmarket.net. He's going to join us here on Market Talk coming up in segment two and three today. Also coming up in segment four, we're going to talk a little bit about the cattle market with Paul Dykstra. He is the Director of Supply Management and Analysis with Certified Angus Beef. That's coming up here later in the show as well. Kicking things off, though, let's take a look at the market trade. Comments with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX. I talked to Arlen around midday on Tuesday. Got his thoughts on the corn market reaction to the Mexico decree as well as the CPI data. Here's Arlen Suderman of StoneX. Well, the CPI data, which is inflation at the consumer level, basically showed the year-on-year inflation, the headline numbers, continuing to trend down, although not as much as what the analysts had expected. But nonetheless, getting down to that, you know, closer to that 6% level, which is the lowest we've been since 2021. However, the month-on-month numbers which reflect more short-term trends, we're up there around a half percent increase in inflation for the month. And that's getting up there around the levels that we saw when inflation was the biggest issue and really hot over the last couple of years. So longer-term picture still trending down, but shorter-term showing signs of starting to heat up once again. 
particularly in natural gas prices heating up, gasoline prices starting to heat up. Service sector is still hot outside of medical services. We're still seeing overall shelter inflation in shelter still being very hot. So a lot of issues with inflation. The market didn't know how to digest that at first, and then it kind of settled in, and I think correctly so, that this means that the Fed, if anything, is going to have to remain hawkish and maybe even increase its hawkishness going forward. And so we're seeing the equities under pressure this morning. Commodities have traded both sides because on the one hand, we tend to have money moving into the commodities when inflation is an issue. On the other hand, the fears that the Fed's actions to tame this inflation, which may have to get more aggressive, may create more of a recessionary environment that hurts demand for commodities, puts pressure on commodity prices. And I think we have funds buying into both camps right now. And so we're going back and forth. But the one thing that is held true is support under the wheat market. And that's largely because the funds already had big short or sold positions in wheat coming into this past week. And the war in Ukraine is heating up, becoming more intense, and that puts more risk for the supply of of wheat coming out of that region and in a broad sense of commodities coming in that region. So we are finding good support in wheat yet at this point in the markets. Now, overall, some of that cautiousness in grains and mixed activity with a little bit of support. I know with corn, we got a softening of the stance from the Mexican government on on a couple parts of their corn degree for geo, decree for GMO corn. Doesn't necessarily feel like the corn market's really reacting one way or another to that news. What's your thoughts on on that news from the Mexican government? Yeah, great observation that the markets are really not trading the news out of Mexico. Mexico blinked first in this big battle over GMO corn coming into Mexico. Uh, they import about 17 million metric tons or roughly 670 million bushels of corn per year with 90 plus percent of that coming from the United States. So it's a big deal. And their Mexican president is trying to make this a big issue. It's believed in t- inside of Mexico that he's making it a political a political issue for getting reelected next year, but they simply cannot find cheap enough alternative supplies. Uh, and so that is a problem and he seems to recognize that. So he has totally backed off of the deadline of 2024 for importing of corn that goes for feed usage. He's holding fast on food usage, which would be white corn coming from the United States but the vast majority of the corn at the import is yellow corn for feeding livestock. And he's backed off of that saying that that will be a substitution on a substitution basis as alternatives become available. Uh, And so a much softer stance on the whole issue, but the market never really believed that he was going to be able to enforce this in the first place. That's why we're not seeing much reaction. And in the protein sector, cattle trade uh, is a little bit lower here at midday while the hog market defers a little bit of uh, green on the screen there. That Feb contract is hanging close to the cash index as it's the final day for that contract. Any thoughts in proteins here today? Yeah, as we look at the hog market, it's taken such a beating and we remove so much of the long position that funds held. That, that allows a little bit of a bounce back. And we started seeing a little bit of a firming of the cash market. And so we've seen a little bit of money come back into this market, but it's still a fraction of where 
we were just a month ago or so. Um, but giving us a little bit of support today. When you look at the lean hog index at 7464 today, that is what over $30 below where the June futures contract is trading right now. So a huge premium's already been priced into that market. On the cattle side, very different dynamics there where we've been seeing some tightening of supplies, helping put in an early bottom, we think, to the to the product market there. As supplies tighten up, last week's uh, available product was down, What I think it was about 8%, certainly more than 6%, uh, as we're reducing numbers and also reducing carcass weights uh, as we pull these cattle forward and had some weather events. But you can't go up every day, and we went up into new territory yesterday. We're seeing a little bit of a pullback and consolidation, so a little bit of red on the screen in the cattle market today. And that is market analysis with Arlen Suderman of Stone X from our midday commentary on Valentine's Day Tuesday. Coming up, we're going to continue the market conversation, dive a little bit deeper into the trade. We'll be joined by Jacob Burks of agmarket.net. He will have analysis for us here on the other side of the break. We'll be back with more market talk of the way right after this. The market news and analysis you need here on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Well, as we take a look at the grain and livestock market trade, as well as the outside markets on Valentine's Day, Tuesday, we saw a fairly mixed choppy day across the board. We gave up some of the early gains in grains, finished slightly lower, livestock trade, cattle down a little bit, hogs a little bit higher outside markets reacting to more inflation data. Here to walk through the market trade with us today, Jacob Burks with agmarket.net is here. Jacob, good to catch up with you, buddy. It was uh, fun to see you and the crew uh, last week in Nashville for your conference, and glad to see you uh, made it back in one piece to the office, Jacob. <laughs> I, I did make it back. Uh, that Nashville is a very easy place to have fun. Uh, that is a very fun place, and yeah, what an awesome opportunity, and I appreciate you coming over there and sharing the time with us as well. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, a lot of great insight, and I know uh, plenty of uh, farmers and ranchers in attendance got a lot of great insight from the conference as well. Well, Jacob, let's dive into these markets and you know, really looking at things when the dust settled on Valentine's Day, Tuesday. It's kind of quiet, kind of mixed. We, we lost a little bit in soybeans and in the wheat markets too. Corn just kind of hovered around unchanged, um, you know, really just felt like when everything was said and done, not much of the way of damage done to the markets, just a very quiet day on Tuesday. It was very quiet. I mean, it was, uh, you know, a little bit of a turnaround Tuesday, you could say, uh, kind of how fitting it is that uh, on Valentine's Day, most of the screen's red here. So, uh, you know, a couple cents lower front months, we did see a little bit of bear spreading in the corn market, uh, went back and tested the $6 level in the new crop uh, corn market. And it was uh, not, 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 no wide ranges, no sporadic trades today. Uh, just, uh, you know, kind of slow and steady, uh, you know, a lot of news, dissecting a lot of different news across all the grain, uh, whether you're talking about the Ukraine uh, war situation, whether you're talking about uh, China's uh, ideas of, of, of importing uh, U.S. grain, uh, whether you're talking about Mexico's uh, new, uh, new new situation with what they're wanting to, to import as well. So uh, when you when you look at the beans down five cents, still at the top side of the range after a strong move yesterday, uh, wheat market down five or six with rain events, uh, you know, forecasted to come across most of the Midwest. Uh, I, I would have to say that the grain markets held in there really strong today. Uh, soybean meal traded below uh, 500 bucks in the in the March contract, but closed above it. But 
you know, to give back a little bit in this type of market. Uh, not, not much, a not much of a day here. Well, you hit on a few different news items that are all impacting one grain or the other. And, you know, with that soy complex, I think let's start there. South America weather has been the highlight. Sounds like uh, new reports are that Brazil's mm, close to a quarter of the way harvested with soybeans with Mato Grosso approaching 50% harvested. Brazil's soy basis is, is leaking a little bit. And for March, they're now more than a, a dollar per bushel de- discount to the U.S. soybeans. So I, I look at this soy complex. I know there's been a little bit of concern here with those Brazil supplies coming online and demand shifting to Brazil from the U.S. As you look at that situation in South American weather, are, are you concerned at all in this soybean complex right now, Jacob? Actually, I've, I've been somewhat pleased with the the pace of our exports as of the last three weeks. You know, we've actually sent you know shipped out more. I mean, this time of year is that shift mode, right? And in the last three year average, we've actually increased increased our uh, exports uh, shipments anyway. Uh, last three weeks compared to what we were expecting. So that mode, the the, the delayed harvest in in Brazil due to the uh, the rain events that have come along, you know, that actually has been been pretty pleasing as far as uh, as far as I see it. You, know, you got to look at the size and the amount uh, that you're going to be seeing coming through Brazil. Uh, you know, and, and, and you know, with the trucker strikes that it's inevitable, you know, they haven't started yet. With the, uh, the the road systems that they have and the logistics that they have down there, you know, there's going to be a lot of delays. And you know, we've seen that that, that uh, harvest pushed back enough to where I think some of those concerns came a couple of weeks ago to where you know China and and others were looking for us to have that uh, consistent shipment. So I'd have to say from our our, our export program, uh, you know. Yeah, pleasing on the on the bean side anyway. Well, this meal market too has been a talking point, especially with Argentina's drought concerns. Can they get some beans down river from Brazil to help with the crush plants there? Meantime, we're seeing uh, crush plants prices here, Illinois, Iowa, along the river, really strong on the board. We're over five hundred dollars a ton, five hundred one at the close on Tuesday. This meal market's been just on fire, Jacob. I know we've talked about this too. Just how impressive this meal market has held together. Yeah, it's, it's been, and some of the things that we, we kind of noticed here in this, in this meal market as well is, you know, the difference between some of these front month, back month spreads. You know, you look at, uh, if we're going to end up running out of soybean meal, it, you know, it could be in that late August timeframe. So, so that being down, you know, almost 50 bucks uh, uh, below the, the front month, that's a, that's a spread to watch there. And that's something that we could see, if we see a breakout, you know, it could be out there in some of those deferred months. Uh, but that mill, you know, we're looking at what Argentina has seen and what Argentina's had happen, you know, this last uh, couple of weeks, uh, you know, still haven't gotten a whole lot of relief in some of the in the more important growing areas of Argentina. And, and, and you know, even this weekend, you're seeing forecasts that, uh, uh, you know, yes, in the next 10 days, we're going to see some some better uh, temperatures, you know, some some you know, warmer, excuse me, some cooler temperatures coming along. Uh, but, you know, missing some of those rains in that area is just they haven't gotten that relief and it's still continuing to struggle. And, uh, you know, uh, you're, you're seeing private estimates of down around 34 million metric ton as opposed to where the USDA has got a minute 41. Uh, so those those numbers could continue to come down to USDA. Jacob, let's uh, move a little bit farther north, but stay south of the border and talk about Mexico. The corn decree coming out on Monday afternoon, basically saying that they are going to allow corn imports for livestock and industrial use, still banning it for human consumption for food and then banning glyphosate as well. So a little bit of a softening of the stance from the Mexican government, but the way it's sounding, uh, U.S. folks, uh, ag groups, NCGA coming out with a statement basically saying, hey, you know, this still isn't completely right. They want to see more science behind the decision. 
I wondered how that would affect the corn market on Tuesday, but largely didn't really do anything to the corn market, Jacob. Yeah, it almost it almost felt like you're they're, they're throwing things out there like uh, you know China mine every now and then to try to decrease the price so they could buy more. You know, that's what it felt like at first. Uh, but I think you know they they decreased their their stance, but yet they sped up the time frame too of what they are not taking. Uh, I, I think that you'll have decrease. You'll, I think you'll have uh, a, a administration hopefully that will that will continue to fight this and continue. You know, this is a, a serious shakeup to uh, to our you know trade. Uh, it includes a lot of different avenues, but. Uh, I, I see that this this market held in. When I say it didn't go only down two or three cents, I think that's one of the big things that it, it didn't take that news. It digested it, uh, but I think it's it's you know didn't affect the corn market uh, the way that some thought it would this morning. I think that's uh, you know shows the the strength that we have here right now. Well, and you mentioned some of that spread activity in the corn market. You know, I look at new crop getting up around that six dollar level again. Old crop. You know, March, that 690 level, the overhead resistance is just that area we can't seem to bust through right now, Jacob. No, this is something that definitely needs some type of more bullish news uh, to, to help it push through. Uh, and, you know, I think it's going to probably end up waiting and, and seeing, uh, uh, you know, exports, yes, could, could affect this if we get uh, some strong export you know, movement here. And we, we, we just haven't seen sales. Thursday's sales number will be pretty, uh, a, a one to watch. Uh, but this is going to take some acreage numbers probably to start coming out. Uh, you know, I think we come in February, you're looking at uh, the, the forum, the ag forum that we'll see. Maybe that, you know, right now it's around 91, I think is what they use for baseline. Uh, if, if, if that could come down to, to in that 90 or, or area or somewhere in there to, to help uh, boost that, that might be the bullish news that we could uh, get to push this forward. But, you know, right now these guys got to be pretty happy with the insurance prices staying up around that $6 level. This is, uh, this is good for that February month to stay at these, uh, these higher areas of the range anyway. Well, and the other area, too, that you mentioned earlier with the wheat market, putting a little bit of risk premium back in with the Russia-Ukraine war and uh, seeing a little bit of a pullback on Tuesday, but nothing too serious there. I I think this Russia-Ukraine situation really seems to be coming back onto traders' minds here as we get into the month of February. Yeah, it comes into your minds whenever you see, uh, you know, more uh, major advancement coming from Russia and you know, you're, you're already expecting, uh, you know, 30 to 40 percent more less corn, you know, put in the ground over there. And, and you know, that that is a significant part of, uh, you know, of, of global trade. And I think that's something that we, we continue to watch and continue to talk about, but really don't know the effects sometimes of how it's going to happen. Because even if we do get it harvested, the bottlenecks that we're seeing to actually get it out of the country, uh, whether it's their power grid or whether it's their, uh, you know, just simple logistics interior uh, of Ukraine. Uh, is something significant, but then when they get it out in the boat and, and uh, uh, whatever the maritime laws are and the maritime you know rules and regulations are that we're just continuing to slow that down and not getting them pushed through, you know that 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 does uh, inevitably you know push you know people towards wanting to buy corn and buy grain from a, an area that has a consistent you know partial. So it really helps us out in the long run, uh, but man, it's something that uh, you know is, is something that we have to continue to watch and. Uh, that, that that news can change uh, you know on a dime just like those missiles coming over uh, last weekend. And again, we're having a conversation with Jacob Burks of agmarket.net here today on the show. We will continue that conversation coming up after the break. We'll talk livestock. We'll talk about the inflation data and more. Also uh, seeing some of the closes on Tuesday. March corn was down two and three quarters, 682 and a quarter. March beans down five and a quarter, 1537 and a half. Wheat markets mainly three to six lower while we saw cattle. February live cattle down 12, 162.15. Feb hogs expired down 1575.67. We'll have more market talk coming up here right after the break.
Why are more people heating their homes with FS Propane? Because it's better to work with a company that lives and works in the same community that you do. When it comes to the comfort of your family, trust FS. We have highly trained service professionals who monitor your system for proper operation, safety, and maximum efficiency. So you can be sure that FS Propane will leave your family with a good, warm feeling all season long. Contact your local FS Propane specialist today. FS Propane feels like home. Visit fspropane.com for more information. Market information that matters to you on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. We are talking with Jacob Burks of agmarket.net here on today's Market Talk. Jacob, I know we had uh, inflation data out on Tuesday morning. The consumer price index rose 0.5% month on month in January. That was slightly higher than analyst expectations. Headline number, inflation 6.4% year on year. That was above analyst expectations as well of 6.2%. It took a little while for the outside markets, it seemed like, to digest those numbers. Overall, though, it seems like we just kind of digested it and, and moved forward. Was that kind of the feeling you got from the inflation yeah, data absolutely. and how it, how it affected things? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you see the stock market pushed down for, for a while here, uh, went a couple hundred points lower. Uh, we've actually traded on both sides uh, of the day, uh, both sides of unchanged on the day the year after that, that news came out. Uh, I think the fear right now is the fact that it was a little bit more than what we saw. And, and, and we'll see, you know, rate hikes probably again on March, probably again in May. Uh, and, I, I, you know, that is something that from a uh, from a from a commodity standpoint, you know, you have to you know feel that pressure and see that, you know, these outside markets, if we continue to, uh, you know, see a little bit of uh, you know bearishness uh, through, through the stock market. You know, we're always talking a lot about the, the demand side of the picture whenever we're looking at the cattle and looking at some of these products. And. Uh, you know, I think the, the markets digest. I don't think that it was it was unexpected. Uh, so yeah, I think it was just kind of a kind of a ho hum day there, even in the in, in the outside markets with that big data number coming out. Yeah, ho hum day. We'll see if there's any spillover effect later this week and affecting the money flow into commodities, into grains, and into livestock too. Let's shift over to livestock hogs. Really good day in the hog market Tuesday, front month February, staying close to that cash index as it expired, went off the board. You know, I look at this hog market, it's taking a beating. Cutout values, though, getting a little bit of support, maybe a good sign of demand here. I wonder if that's giving us some some underlying strength here in this hog market right now. Yeah, I think some of the things that you, you can look at for some underlying strength, uh, you know, one is China's hog market did have a little bit of pushback here this you know week or two weeks that we've seen a little bit of growth there. Uh, you know, we've, we've seen such a large amount of hog numbers for us to see that uh, that demand finally catch back up. I mean, they're filling freezers, whatever we're looking at, you know, preparing for some spring weather. Uh, you do have a, a you know positive tone to the market in the last four or five days, which is, is significant. We see a little bit of a rounded shaped bottom. Uh, but, you know, you get that June contract, you know, trading back above that uh, 104 level. Uh, you got the the one thing that, you know, is kind of uh, scary, something to watch here is looking at this April April hog market. That is, what are we now, 12 bucks above the above the cutout. So that's something that we'll watch to see which one comes together. We do need to see those cutouts continuing to rally or that number uh, will have to have to start heading the other direction. I was going to say, you brought up what I was going to bring up as well for a point there, uh, that April contract and the and the cash index. That's going to be fun to watch here. Uh, maybe not fun, depending on which way it goes the next uh, next week or two, just to see how that converges together. We know it will converge. It's just what way are we going to go? And I think that's going to be very interesting to keep an eye on. Cattle market. 
Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Even, even if you are a cattle feeder, you hope that market can, can continues to come. You know, last time we saw these prices this high back in fourteen, we didn't see the hog market. You know, you know, uh, this high. So you know, we didn't have as many hogs out there to produce. So that supplementary product there that we're we're looking at with these these hogs, you know, to see them continue to rally, see some deduction, see some demand there. You know, as a cattle feeder, you hope that uh, that price continues to keep that upward trend too. Definitely. Well, speaking of this cattle market, I know Monday we set some new contract highs in the live cattle trade. We had a robust day in both live and feeder cattle. Gave a little bit of that back on Tuesday. You know, it just felt like maybe the market took just a bit of a pause, some slight profit taking, but nothing really major uh, no. as far as moving lower on Tuesday's cattle trade. No, cattle, I mean, you got to remember, you got to bend your knees to jump, right? So uh, hopefully this is just a little bit of slight pullback here. Uh, we did save, uh, stay on most of the uh, top side of these moving averages that we've seen in support. The trend line has definitely been strong from a technical perspective in all these cattle markets. I mean, you can get into the, you know, every, about every contract, you, you've got some type of uh, moving average that, that, that we follow pretty significantly. You know, the, the cash market, uh, you know, will be the leader in this cattle market. Uh, we've seen some kills get a little bit, a uh, little bit lighter. You know, these packers are, are are having to go out into the cash market and buy some cattle to fill these uh, these voids that they have, and that's that's very positive for for you know the, the cattle producer anyway. Uh, you know, box beef has continued to rally. You're starting to see a you know tightening of the uh, between the, the the choice and select cutout, and you know imports will continue to grow. And, you know, that's something that we'll we'll have to you know have as in our back pocket there that that'll be you know capping some of this, but inevitably uh, the bullish sentiments uh, to the, these cattle numbers are really starting to show up and it's being led in the cash market. And I think we're, I didn't see any cash movement today. I uh, didn't look at it, but uh, you know, we've seen some very strong movements, especially in the South and being led in the South with a higher cash market is, is, is very significant for us and as, as cattle producers. Well, and to your point on that cash market, it's been interesting to watch the last couple of weeks, this standoff between Packers feedlots. I mean, it's, you know, take it a still, sometimes late Thursday, if not late Friday, to get any cash activity going here. And I know last week we saw a northern trade $4 higher in the south. We've seen a buck or two higher. This has been this has been quite the uh, cash trade to watch here the last couple of weeks, just this standoff we're seeing in feedlot country, Jacob. Yeah, I mean, as, as the kills are getting smaller and they're you know running out of these uh, contracted cattle or these formula cattle, I mean, they have to, to come to the, uh, the open market and that's where the fireworks can happen. I think that that's something in the next month or so that could be very interesting to watch. And, and that's the, you know, that's the explosion that, that we could have to move this thing, you know, you know, significantly higher. I mean, we, you, you've heard a lot of analysts talk about, you know, opportunities in these cattle markets could see, you know, I don't want to throw numbers out there, but I, I've heard significantly higher. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I think that, that that's going to be what ha- happens as we get tight, uh, you know, demand to hopefully stays strong. That's 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 the that's the red flag there that could be. You know, uh, when you see that that CPI data come up, that's the first thing I thought of. I well, look for the cattle, see what's going to go on over there. And uh, you know, if demand can stay strong through this, we continue to see box beef. You know, small loads and box beef going out. Small, you know, small uh, accountability there with uh, with that cash market. Uh, but you know, right now we're looking at a at the cash leading the way, and that's that's going to be very healthy for this market. Well, Jacob, before we uh, wrap it up here today, run out of time, I'll, I'll leave the floor to you. Any uh, any risk management thoughts you have across any of the grains, livestock, just anything you would want producers to maybe think about and remember here as we work through the middle of the month? All uh, right, I was starting the live cattle because that's what we just got done talking about. And, you know, this is where I become passionate about what is out there. And, 
know, we just talked about cash market could be extremely strong. Uh, we, you know, we could see some imports come by. We could see this CPI data, you know, create a, a stock market starting to pull back a little bit. Uh, and, the, and, and that's where more so anything, the, the money flow and looking at what, what, you know, could happen with this. We haven't seen the CLT report in, uh, what, two weeks now since the 24th, mm -hmm. I think. So, you know, that's something that if we start to see, you know, the funds pull back out of this for any type of reason, whether they're just pulling money out of here, they think we're too high, uh, any sort of thing could happen. You know, we, we do encourage guys to go out here and look at, uh, at laying some some profitability puts underneath there. You know, when you got the opportunity to put some puts in place uh, that are above your, you know, break even, that's just a good risk management strategy. Uh, on the grain side of things, I look at the corn market and the bean market as well, going through this February time for you for, for your risk management uh, of your crop insurance. Great. I hope you all have it. But don't forget to market the grain as well. And, and we look at what's available to us out there all the way out into like a, a, a May option strategy. So you can use some short dated new crop May options. That'll get you past the planning intentions report. And this planning intentions report will be significant. We talked about acres a lot with the, the you know, just the two uh, you know, 180 million acres that we need between corn and beans. And, and I think that your, you know, your, your, your mate option does a good, uh, good job to get you uh, through a lot of that information. We'll know a lot of information about what's going in the ground whenever it gets to the end of April. So that's what I would encourage. We can look, go through numbers and do all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, but main thing is like time frame. When do you need that? When are you going to be making sales and, and, and laying those options out there in a time frame that makes sense for you and your operation? Well, Jacob, as uh, farmers are checking those break-evens and looking at things that make sense for their operation, I know if they have questions and want to go through the options and the tools they have in the toolbox in front of them, they can talk to you or any, any of the folks there at agmarket.net. What's the best way to get a hold of you guys? Hey, first of all, just look us up, agmarket.net. Uh, we have a 30-day free trial of our intel that we send out on a daily, weekly basis. Uh, from that website, you can also go to the, our team page there and look up with any of us individually. I mean, we'd love to chat with you and we get pretty passionate about risk management. So uh, that's that's one of our things that we would encourage you to do here today. Well, we appreciate the time and thanks for joining us here on the show today. Jacob Burks of agmarket.net. Take care. We'll talk to you again real soon. Hey, thanks for having me, Jesse. Appreciate it. And we appreciate his time and insight. That's Jacob Burks with agmarket.net joining us here today on the show. Let's look through the final numbers we saw on Tuesday's trade. March cord down two and three quarters, 682 and a quarter. July cord was down one and a half, 667 and three quarters. We saw a new crop December corn. That was one higher, 597 and three quarters. March beans down five and a quarter, 1537 and a half. July down six and a quarter, 1519 and a quarter. November beans down one and three quarters at 1383. Bean meal for March, that was down $3 a ton, 501 even. March bean oil, 26 points higher at 6040. March Chicago wheat, six lower, 786. May down four, 796 and three quarters. July Chicago wheat, three lower, 799 and a half. March Kansas City wheat down six and a quarter. At 906, May down five, 895 and a quarter. July KC wheat down four and a quarter, 881. March spring wheat down one and a quarter higher, excuse me, 932. May up a half penny, 923 and three quarters. July spring wheat down a half a penny, 916 and three quarters. Looking over at oats for March, down seven and a half, 365 and three quarters. Cotton market on Tuesday, we saw March cotton down 24 points at 85.40. In the livestock trade, February live cattle down 12, 162.15. April down 42, 164.67. June live cattle down 20, 160.22. August down 17, 159.22. Feeder cattle for March down 55, 186.65. April down 70, 190.90. 90. 
May feeders down 67, 194.90. Feb hogs expired down 15, 75, 67. April up 90, 87, 25. May hogs up 55 at 96.05. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Paul Dykstra with Certified Angus Beef. We're going to get a little bit of insight from him on the cattle market. We'll do that on the way right after this. Back with more market talk coming up after the break. Keeping you informed with the latest market information for your operation. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And joining us now here on the program, pleased to have with us Paul Dykstra, Director of Supply Management and Analysis with Certified Angus Beef. Paul, great to have you on the show with us today. I hope you're doing well. I'm doing very well. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on the show, Jesse. Thanks for the time. Let's jump in. Let's talk cattle. And, you know, I heard a lot from folks during the cattle industry convention in the beginning of February and many folks throughout the industry really remaining optimistic here for cattle prices in 2023 and beyond as we start to rebuild this herd and much more. What are your thoughts on just the current state of this cattle market and, and prices that you're seeing right now, Paul? I really do not see any reason to buck the trend in what you've been hearing, Jesse, as far as optimism with regard to price. And that is all very sharply driven off of our uh, January 1st cattle inventory reports. And I think everybody's pretty well in tune with the fact that the beef cow herd was adjusted down a little over three and a half percent and feeder cattle availability in the same realm. And we know we've just got fewer animals to deal with than, uh, you know, thanks to the to the, the long and, and widespread drought conditions. But as cattlemen work through that and, and hopefully are able to maintain you know, some semblance of, uh, of their inventory on each individual operation, uh, the, the rewards will be reaped with, uh, with sharply higher prices. I think that's, that's a pretty evident fact. Well, Paul, I, I think as well, you know, we think about rebuilding the herd. Obviously, that's not an overnight job. That's going to take some time. Could be a bit of a challenge, but could benefit us with some higher prices. But it, it, as you look at not only rebuilding herd, but are there other maybe challenges you see ahead for cattle producers and for in the markets as well here the next, uh, say, year, two, maybe three out, three years out? Well, I think there are a couple that come to my mind readily, and the first of which is as we think about ranchers and farmers rebuilding their cow herds, we also have to be cognizant of the fact that uh, those potential replacement heifer calves are going to have a lot of value uh, as a potential feeder animal as well. And when we see prices uh, in the range that we anticipate to see them moving into 2023 and certainly the next couple of years, uh, the decision to, to service some debt uh, and, and capitalize on the value of those heifers is, is going to create some challenging uh, decision processes for folks. So that's one thing that may be kind of hidden in the grass as far as we, we won't just build hand over fist uh, when those heifers have that kind of value. So there's one thing I see, uh, not insurmountable by any means, uh, and a positive thing in the end. And, and secondly, of course, as we work these cattle supplies lower, we do have to think about beef demand and we have to think about uh, the sticker price to our customer, the consumer, not only domestically, but internationally. And of course, none of us individually have control over that. But as an industry, we need to be cognizant of, you know, what are the values that we're, we're forcing our customers to deal with? And does that degrade beef demand? Now, today's picture 
does not indicate that that's really an immediate threat because, uh, of course, beef demand's been exceptionally good as of late. And yes, at a higher at a higher price, that that may be challenging. But of course, we'll be offering smaller total supplies at the same time. Well, I'm glad you brought up demand because I, I was going to say, I think that's an area to watch for sure. And, you know, you mentioned both domestic and export demand. I think about that high quality beef, you know, some competition in the meat case with some of the other proteins. And then, too, you know, exports with a dollar and inflation out there as well. Uh, it feels like that's going to be something that definitely can move these markets uh, one way or another here, make things a little little bit volatile in, in the months ahead, Paul. That's true, and I think that uh, that issue of competition from other proteins is is sure going to enter back into the picture readily, particularly as uh, chicken supplies come back in line after that uh, industry deals with uh, some of the issues they faced. But we're in the enviable position here in the United States with uh, a beef supply that uh, is highly demanded, as you mentioned, domestically and globally with that high quality, richly marbled corn fed beef flavor that, um, that folks, uh, you know, worldwide um, are willing, apparently willing to pay a pretty decent premium for. And, uh, you know, we've built that in the last 15 or so years. We have really improved the quality. And when I say quality, I mean the eating quality uh, due to increased marbling and quality grades uh, of the entire U.S. beef supply. And that's what we're trying to certainly press on at Certified Angus Beef is a premium eating experience that delivers on the promise that, uh, hey, if, if you're willing to spend your hard-earned dollars, you will you'll be happy to come back and do it again after you uh, experience uh, that great taste and juiciness. Paul, before we wrap it up here, any other final thoughts uh, that you would want to share when it comes to these cattle markets? We're watching things here over the next uh, few months ahead, the next year ahead. Anything else that stands out to you? Anything you would want to remind our uh, our ranchers of here as they're thinking about things moving forward? Yes, I think that uh, my fellow cattlemen would be uh, well served to take a look at the premium structure in our beef market, whether that be on the box beef or on fed cattle, feeder cattle. The theme within each of those sectors is going to be for quality. And, and again, I, I stress that I'm talking about carcass quality, of course, along with all the other production traits that are essential to us on the live animal side. But the spreads, the price spreads for for quality beef uh, have been record wide uh, in the past year. And that's with regard to the prime premium above choice, certified Angus beef over choice. And of course, the old Bellwether Choice Select spread was uh, north of $30 a hundred weight last fall. So you know, the numbers don't lie. They are they are there. And I think each of us would uh, would do well to keep those in mind, you know, breed cattle that can uh, can achieve the higher marks with regard to quality. And and those cattle will always be in demand uh, regardless of, of drought uh, or heavy rain. Well, I know folks can learn more online, cabcattle.com, cabcattle.com. With that, Paul Dykstra with Certified Angus Beef. Appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us here today. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks again, Jesse. And that's going to do it for Market Talk here today. Have a great rest of your day. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Why are more people heating their homes with FS Propane? Because it's better to work with a company that lives and works in the same community that you do. 
when it comes to the comfort of your family. Trust FS. We have highly trained service professionals who monitor your system for proper operation, safety, and maximum efficiency so you can be sure that FS Propane will leave your family with a good, warm feeling all season long. Contact your local FS Propane specialist today. FS Propane feels like home. Visit fspropane.com for more information. 